Welcome to the premium sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. It's Testimony Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you listen to Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Thanks for supporting World Evangelism with your premium subscription and enjoy today's testimony. Well, all right. I am very, very excited to present to you our next guest on Testimony Tuesday. It is Pastor Rick Buckles. Welcome to the VBPH Sermon Podcast, sir. Thanks for joining us. Well, I'm absolutely happy to be here, and it's Book Holtz. <laughs> Everybody says buckles. Don't don't sweat it. <laughs> well, thanks for informing us. And uh, well, Pastor Buckles, we are very very excited to have you join us for this podcast interview. And uh, we should we should let our audience know uh, how difficult it was to get this thing rolling. <laughs> so I, I think that just tells us that uh, that this really needs to happen, and that you really need to hear the whole thing. Well, let's uh, do it. Okay, fantastic. Well, uh, so we, uh, you know, we hear sermons and we hear, you know, names. If you've been around our fellowship for any amount of time, uh, everybody's heard your name at some point or another. You've been, you know, missionary uh, several times. You've pioneered churches. You were, and uh, so now they're in North Carolina. And so, you know, a lot of people would have heard your name from time to time, or maybe even have heard you preach from time to time. But the whole idea behind these Testimony Tuesday episodes is to kind of get the story behind the headline and how it is that you became Pastor Rick Buckles in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And so, yeah, we want to we want to understand how did you get here? And so I guess l let's go back to where did you come from and where did you grow up? Well, I wasn't born in um, Arizona, Mesa, Arizona, but I did grow up there. We moved when I was two. I was the, the youngest of uh, six kids and a mom and dad that everything seemed to be um, going well for us. And then from there, my dad got some kind of a, a promotion. We went to uh, Garden Grove, California. Well, it didn't take very long. Three years in California really just destroyed the, the marriage that my mom and dad had had. Now, he got into uh, an affair with um, some young woman and ended up walking out on the six kids. And so that uh, really spun out my family. I was really hurt, really hurt. When my dad walked out of the house, I remember running to the window and looking out the window as he's walking down this sidewalk in California. And I'm thinking somehow I had something to do with this. I'm just, you know, barely 11 years old, 10 maybe. And uh, gosh, I... I was just devastated to see my dad walk away into the dark like that. But we ended up going to Arizona, back to Arizona. And uh, I, I did have some cousins there that we had moved in with. I never really recovered from that. And uh, I, I just um, was already a little bit troubled. While we were still in California, I must have been probably eight or nine, maybe 10. But I actually broke into a neighbor's house. The back door, I didn't have to break anything. The back door is pretty much open. But I went in and I just, you know, went through a lot of stuff, just looking for money. I found a jar of money and and, uh, and I stashed it in a hole outside. Whenever the ice cream man came by, I just had my stash, uh, you know, the ice cream truck. You must have really just... loved ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, when we got to Arizona, we moved in with my uh, um my, my cousin, and, and he was a bit of a playboy. Well, he had a pool room that he had made in the garage. He, he had these pinups, these centerfolds of all these pornography magazines. And he had all these pinups all the way around the walls. And then he had these stacks and stacks of uh, uh, perverted magazines that were just lining the walls. And so that, that wasn't a very good place for a an 11 year old boy to spend hours of the day oh no absolutely and not. It, just, it just messed with my head and if that wasn't bad enough i had gone to a school but the coach of the school you know he was uh, uh really reaching out to me and and uh, we had a contest some kind of contest and i won so he's going to take us to all the 
uh, go get ice cream and, and, you know, the different winners, these young boys. Well, long story short, he ended up, you know, uh, uh, taking us into different things that, you know, an 11 year old boy has no business learning about. It just spun me out. And so between the two things, it's just my mind was absolutely just messed up and perverted. You know, I just from a very young age. And at the same time, I continue to just, uh, uh, you know, steal. I, like we were staying with my same cousin. I, I just stole the silver coin collection that he had that he had stashed. Uh, very valuable. But bit by bit, I just I kept slipping away that change. And, and I just kept getting worse and worse. You know, I was stealing from stores. And my mom had met another guy. Actually... He was on the run. He had escaped from prison. Another friend of mine had introduced him at a at a bar where one of my other sisters was dancing as a go-go dancer, you know. So my mom and him met, and she lets him move into the house. Well, he was uh, in prison because he was a thief. So that only added to my problem is is he'd go in stores and come out with all this stuff. He was so confident in in, in what he was doing, and so he told me, teach me everything you knew. So by the time I'm 15, 16 years old, where one of my friends had a truck, we were, we were literally breaking into homes. I had a, a pistol loaded and cocked and, and sneaking through these homes, just hoping nobody would jump out. And it wasn't so much even for the money, it was just for the thrill. I kind of put on this whole front that I was um, okay, but I really was just, just really troubled inside and a lot of things I had, you know, bad habits and things I just couldn't stop and kind of hated myself. But I did hear bits and pieces about this Jesus thing, this born again thing. In fact, I remember my brothers and sisters talking about a preacher that had gone into New York, the streets of New York, you know, and getting the gang saved. So I, I just heard that story. And in fact, I'd seen the movie. I remember when I was uh, five years old, it just came out, The Cross and the Switchblade. And I was infatuated about the gangsters turning and getting saved. And that whole day was burned in my memory because, you know, after this uh, theater and the show, you know, we walked outside and this little boy my age had gotten completely ran over by a car. So we ended up moving out to Mesa, away from my cousin. And so I got bits and pieces of this gospel thing. And then my Mom had taken us to different, uh, you know, churches, the Methodist church, a Baptist church. And, and I believe one time I went to the altar and I had prayed and, and I really did believe that. I really did. And I think I was pretty broken. I remember I cried at the altar and uh, gosh, I just kept getting worse and worse with stealing. Uh, and uh, I got thrown in jail, arrested for shoplifting and and then chased one time by the police, they ended up catching me, and, and uh, that was a scene. But um, I met a girl that was a pretty good girl. She wasn't into God at all. She didn't know much about God, but her dad was a cop. And so I knew that this was going to work. I'm going to have to clean up a little bit. Yeah, that'll straighten you out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so she did help me in a lot of ways, but then she... Um, she uh, uh, didn't really dump me, but she just said, you know, this is not going to work after, after I'd given up. And I was devastated. And that's actually where I had gotten in my car and I was flying down the road and where the cops, you know, they, they, they got behind me. And, and that's where it was a chase. I just didn't care. I didn't care if I lived or died at that point. And I was just devastated because I knew I really needed this girl and I really did love her. So, well, we did get back together again, but uh, I made it through school and, and I really didn't do drugs anymore, but I had all these other problems. I was still stealing. Well, I had gotten arrested, you know, uh, one time where I'd stolen a bunch of guns and, and I wanted to sell them. And this guy's going to look at my guns. Well, turned out all of them were, were, you know, these two guys anyways, and they were, they were narcotics agents. And so I was busted and, and of course, thrown in the jail. And uh, it was at that point where I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm going to prison because I'm 19 years old now. And uh, I knew about prison. I'm thinking, I can't go to prison. That can't happen. I know it's going to happen there. 
And so I remember I'm, I'm doing push-ups, I'm getting ready to fight and I'm, I'm, my mind is swirling, but there came a point where, where I'm, I'm in that cell and I, I, I just got in the corner and I just looked up and said, God, you've got to help me. And Adam, I remember I felt the love of God. I can't describe it any other way than that. But I felt like something come down in that room. And yeah, it gave me goosebumps. But I, all I can describe is that I just felt like God loved me. And it tripped me out, just this love of God. And, uh, and you have to remember how wicked I really was. But anyways, I felt that. I sensed that. And, and then I, um, I just began to do more push-ups, just getting ready to fight. <laughs> so, well, the next day I went before the judge. And he was just really upset. And they had a, a step-in lawyer for me there. And he was like throwing the book at me. And, and he's looking at the, this is the third time I've been in trouble with the law now. And this was kind of a big one. The judge turns to me and he says, I'll get out of here. So I'm like, okay, back to myself. <laughs> step-in lawyer says, no, he's letting you go. What? And I was blown away I, I i i turned to the lawyer i said what are you talking about? he says he's letting you out on your own recognizance i didn't know what that meant i said what the heck is that <laughs> and he said he's trusting you to come back so i walked out not doing not one more day in jail now you'd have thought i would have walked right out of there and tried to find a church but that's not the case i uh i i just left and and i kind of forgot about the whole thing with god until the same guy that introduced uh, my dad that was on the lamb on the run from the law, my stepdad, the, the same guy invited me to a church in Tempe. It was a Monday night. He's like, you, you, Kathy, you and Rick want to go tonight? And, and I'm like, church, church. And I'm, okay, why not? So he went ahead and went. I sat in the back. And uh, I wasn't against it. It was a strange because people were speaking in tongues and different things that I just wasn't used to. And, and but when he came to the part about lift your hand, if you want to give your life to God, I'm like, um, no, I'm not lifting my hand. And I was adamant about it. Well, everybody went up to the front. It was a guest speaker. They all went up to the front and they're praying there, doing their thing. And, and uh, I'm in the back and somebody came back to me and he asked me, he said, hey, would you like to pray? I, I'll help you. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good. And uh, so he walked away and said, well, okay, no problem. And he went back up and prayed. He was so smooth, but it just so bugged me that he came to me. I was, I was really mad. I was ticked. Why did he come to me and ask me that? And uh, I, for the life of me, Adam, I don't know why, but I went to the next night of revival. <laughs> just <laughs> just out here. of spite. <laughs> I don't know why I went. Now, Kathy did didn't go that night but uh, i sat in the back with my friend and you know the preachers preach i don't remember what he said he he just turned really red and, and he was a little hefty and he's preaching <laughs> it's funny what you and, remember uh, huh yeah and yeah i don't know what he said but he's preaching but at the end sure enough he's asking everybody to lift their hand and they want to give their life to jesus and everybody went up to the front but i'm in the back and i'm thinking i'm not lifting my hand and going up there i'm not doing that and again i was adamant Everybody went back to their seats. Nobody talked to me that night. But at, at, at the very end, when he just about to, to, to close the service and let everybody go home, all of a sudden, this guy like started talking for God. It's like God was speaking through him. It was his voice. It's just like speaking. And it's like God talking. And I'd never seen anything like that. But I remember exactly what he said. His preacher said, I've loved you, I've dealt with you, and uh, I've called you, but if you want your sin, I'll let you go. And Adam, it's like a javelin you know, pierced my heart because I absolutely knew that God was talking to me. He did love me. He did call me in little prompts and, and you know, and it was like, just absolutely speaking right to my heart. And I'll tell you, Adam, I got up and even think about it. I kind of half trotted down the aisle and I fell on my knees and, and I just begged God. I said, God, 
don't give up on me. Just don't give up on me. Because I was afraid God was going to let me go and just quit dealing with me. And I'd end up in hell. Wow. And I just cried out. I remember I just cried out. And I was just exhausted after a time. And you know what, Adam? That same love of God that I felt in that cell, I'm telling you, that same thing came down. And I'm at my worst ever in my life right now. I felt God's love again. That just so blew me away. And I remember thinking, God, if you love me, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to give my whole life up. I'm going to, you know, I'm coming after you. I want this. I'm giving you everything I have to follow you. And wow. I meant that at that point. And I made a decision. I looked up this at the pastor. He didn't actually preach. It was a guest speaker. But I looked up the pastor and I said, you know what? I think that guy cares about me. All I know is that I'm, I'm going to lock in here. And you, and you know what? That was over 42 years ago. And from the, that time, I can count on one hand how many services I've missed. In fact, I only remember three. One time my dad died. Another time I'm in the hospital, the emergency room. I think that's a pretty good excuse. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and then the third time, I think I'm in route between, you know, uh, Arizona and North Carolina. But I just made a commitment. Man, I'm following God. Before uh, before you go for it, I'm just wondering uh -huh. if you could give us a sense of the timing. What what uh, how old were you, and and what year did this all happen? That was 1978. I was 20 years old. Wow. Okay, 20 so, years old. So I'd say about nine months after I got arrested, I got saved. Yeah, hmm. uh, the the final arrest where I was, you know, where I had those guns that I was trying to sell. Yeah, I can't and, I can't believe they let you go. That's like a federal offense. It's unbelievable. They let me go. So, so okay, so so you decided you're going to follow Jesus, yep, because because you sense this overwhelming sense of His love and mercy, and Acceptance. you had yeah you you had this amazing experience at an altar. Okay, so but you you didn't have a whole lot of church experience. It sounded like 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 not a whole lot of religious. You kind of bounced around from here to there, but so what was it like going from the the sinner lifestyle and beginning to see your life change. My life that night actually took a turn where I really was a new creature. I never, you know, I just didn't curse anymore. Uh, it kind of amazed me because uh, I injured myself shortly after that. I hit myself with a hammer and, and I just, I, I was surprised I didn't curse because I really didn't have a, a foul mouth as well. Uh, and then I just had no desire to drink or do drugs or I had, no desire. It was completely taken from me. And so it was just so good. I just wanted to get other people in, uh, just trying to wake people up because I was kind of twisted in my thinking about following God. I think in my mind, I thought if I give my life to Christ, to Jesus, become a Christian, that, uh, that somehow I'm going to miss out in life. And so when I discovered that, no, this, this is life. And, and after I finally surrendered to God and that change took place, I felt the love of God again and accepted. Man, I was just so on fire for God and just wanted to wake people up. I was just thrilled in serving God. I loved the preaching. And, and um, it was probably just a couple of months after that that I really felt like, you know what, God, I would want to preach if you can just help me. Just a couple of months, I just had a sense that God wanted to use my life. I wanted to pastor. I just wanted to help people. And so I'm curious, where where do you think that came from? Obviously, we know that the call comes from God, but there's also, you know, there's also the environment that you got saved into, which I think was at the tail end of the Jesus People revival and movement that was happening in the United States. So maybe you could describe kind of what the what was the church like what was the atmosphere like what did you see and what did you feel in those services you know what i don't know that the church atmosphere so impressed me i think what really impressed me mostly was the pastor that had been a rock and roller into all kinds of drugs and and just how he communicated the gospel and how he preached i was just so grabbed by that 
and it, I, I could just identify with how he ministered the gospel. He just connected. And I think I thought, man, you know, I would just, God, if you could, if I could somehow help people the way he's helping me. And I just really had a heart for people. I tried to bring people in. I wasn't really successful with doing that. But what I was really successful at was people that did come in just to help solidify them, you know, and to follow them up. I really, really had a heart for that. Uh, Kathy and I, every single service, every service for probably the last three years of our, our, our time there in Tempe, we went out every service. We took somebody out for pie and coffee or dinner or something just to, you know, fellowship with folks. We were just really, really wanting to help in that arena. And so there's not a service that went by that we didn't grab somebody with us afterwards. Well, that, so, that's, um, that's so powerful. You, you pray for people uh, like that to be in your church, always keeping an eye out for, you know, the person that needs some attention, right? Yeah. Uh, I just really wanted them to make it. Well, and okay. So, so go ahead. Yeah, before, before you go forward there, well, you, you mentioned that, uh, that you weren't doing this on your own, that you, you have a partner in this. Tell us how, you know, how did, uh, Kathy become your wife and what was that story? Ah, well, what, well, that was a girl that her father was the cop <laughs> that broke up with me. Well, I had guessed, but, uh, yeah. you know, we got to fill in a few details there. Yeah. So, well, you know, we got back together and, uh, but it really was, it really was God that put us together. So we went Monday, both of us together to the revival. I didn't get saved. She didn't get saved, but Tuesday, she didn't go. I did get saved. And then on Wednesday, Kathy had gone and I had gotten baptized that night. And then Kathy had um, uh, just made a decision that she's going to go for God. Six months later, we had gotten married. So we now have six kids and we're working on our 19th grandchild. And what's incredible is all my kids are saved. Praise God. Love God. Four of them have been in the ministry. All my grandkids love God. And it's, it's incredible the life we have now. That's amazing. Yeah. You came and you did a revival in our church. And on the last night, you preached a sermon where you simply went through the different stories of your kids, uh, of how they got saved and how they're living for God and, you know, how your family, you know, uh, how God has just given you so many blessings in your family. Uh, to me, that was one of the most powerful sermons and messages that I've ever heard. Uh, I wish I wish you would do that everywhere you go. I had done that as an evangelist everywhere I went, and, and it really is powerful. But the thing that, that's interesting is that I'm sitting in the back of the church. This is uh, like the night before I got saved, and then the, even the night that I did get saved, and I'm just being obstinate that I'm not going to raise my hand. And, and it scares me, Adam, because I think, what if I didn't give my life to Christ? Where would I be today? I could have lost so easily all that God wanted to do in my life and the blessings that even now looking at my family it's it's so incredible I can't imagine how it could how it could be better I just can't it's scary that I almost almost missed it I thank God I just finally surrendered and and I had no idea what God wanted to do no idea it's so powerful, yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh. So. So you got married. You're. You were pretty young, and you are part of this uh, small but thriving church in Tempe, Arizona, and you have a heart for people. And so you, uh, you are part of a fellowship. Uh, I. I wonder what. You, what can you remember from the fellowship? What was it like at that time? Well, I think everybody was just really into it. Everybody in the church, you know, God was everything the church and what we were going after and souls and wanting to see the world one for christ and and uh i mean we were really into it it just it was our everything and we weren't thinking about college we weren't thinking about making money we weren't thinking about you know uh, our future we just wanted to see god move in the earth what was um incredible in those days is you had the same group of folks that came Sunday morning and they came Sunday night and they came Wednesday night and then they came on outreach, you know? And so it was just a given that, you know, everyone was just so into everything that was going on. 
well, there's probably 10 or 12 guys at the time. And we'd look at each other and say, yeah, well, yeah, one of these days we're going to be all over the world. We're going to be preaching. And, and uh, you know, we would talk like that. And what's incredible, Adam, is that absolutely every one of us became preachers. <laughs> every amazing. one of us. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, a lot of us have been in different parts of the world. And it, it, it really is incredible. And so um, it was just a very exciting time and, and everything was fresh and new when we start seeing miracles and people being healed. And, oh my gosh, I was blown away. Just, just, do, do I you remember, do you remember uh, the first time you went to a Prescott conference? I do. And it was shortly after we got saved. In fact, it was there uh, it, it was a couple of months after we got saved. It was in January. And um, Kathy and I had gone, and we had gone, I think, the last night of the conference. And I remember when, when, when they were making announcements and, uh, you know, and, and sending couples out into the harvest field in different cities and, and so on. And I think they sent their first overseas was to, was to um, Australia at that time. And I was just again just so into what was going on and i really sensed that night as a god and i remember standing up and making a commitment as they asked for people that wanted to do something like that well it was um four and a half years after that that my pastor uh just recognized god dealing with me and and he said rick where do you want to go you and kathy you know he really suggested southern california Kathy's saying, God's not going to send us to San Diego. He's, he's not going to send us to California. I hate California. Well, where did we end up? You know, I got there and I knew it was God. And Kathy actually soon knew it was God. And so we started the church in San Diego in 1983. What was yeah. the what was the landscape like there? Was there any other fellowship churches near you at that time? Well, there was one up north in Oceanside. That was about a, maybe a half hour, 35, 40 minute ride north. And there was one way down south in uh, uh, Chula Vista, but there wasn't anybody in actually San Diego. We almost had almost 20 folks by the time we got into a building. And we just kind of kind of took off from there. Uh, and we were there for four and a half years, I guess, before I really felt called. And it was a supernatural call to actually go in this time to New York City to start a church here. Oh, wow. Uh, so yeah. was this this was before Tempe was having conferences? Yeah, they may have had an area conference at that time, but it wasn't uh, like a Tempe wing kind of conference thing. It was like just in the area, the whole area. OK, gotcha. I think Tempe was one of the bigger churches. And so they were they were having maybe a I don't know if it was an actual conference or a harvesters in those days. I don't I don't remember. Yeah. And, and we went off to. New York City, and we, we uh, uh, had started a church there in an area of one of the boroughs called Staten Island. And again, you know, God just really helped us. And, and, and with the three years that we were there, we were, you know, we were self-supporting, and I wasn't full-time. I was working again, uh, uh, but the church did really well. And then they uh, had some things come down in the San Diego church that uh, they just needed us to go back. And so we went ahead and loaded up and went back to San. We turned the church over in New York City to to a friend of mine that was there that was actually a very good guy. And, and then we went back to uh, San Diego. We were there for another 13 years. 13. So it was initially four and then 13 uh, after that. So total yeah, of 17? We total, yeah, total of 18 years. Well, you know, wow. actually 13 and a half years. And so, uh, yeah, 18 years in San Diego. So you got a large, large amount of your, your heart poured into that place. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, we do. So do you ever get to that. go back and visit? Oh yeah. Yeah. I go back at least once a year. I do a discipleship or I'll preach for about, I was just there actually. Great is, church today. So Great this church. is, this is uh pastor Rice's church, correct? And he's doing a fine job there. He's the man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had the pleasure of visiting uh, one time. Uh, I was out there to see John Dumas and uh, went to a Wednesday night or something. It was. A, yeah, I was very impressed with the, the atmosphere and just the excitement in the air. Uh, so I, I can see I could see the uh, I could see the, the remnants of your signature on that congregation. <laughs> yeah. Praise God. 
yeah. But there's some yeah, good people there. Yeah. That's amazing. That's wonderful. Uh, so you, you had, you pioneered in San Diego in New York and okay. So, so give us the, uh, the rest of the, the, the history from there. Well, you know, we were back in San Diego for, for the longest time, uh, now 13 years. And, and I kind of always wanted to go back to New York city and, uh, restart there. So I'd been dealing with pastor Mitchell about that and my pastor. Well, after 10 years, he finally gave us the green light. We're going to go back in to, to Manhattan this time. But oh, wow. actually, yeah, actually, uh, when we flew out, there wasn't announced. He, we were going to announce it in July. But uh, when we flew out there, I just felt like a shield come down. And my wife as well. We just felt like a shield. Just don't do this. So now I had to go back to Pastor Mitchell and say, it, it's just not God for us. And so uh, he said, well, put your roots down in San Diego. And, uh, well, at that point, uh, I... Um, was willing to do that we love the church of course love the city but um god had something else in, in store and it was um about six months later that uh, god really dealt with me to go to the nation of turkey and uh and actually he really really spoke to me uh, uh clearly in the conference that i want you to go to turkey and so uh well I, i'm curious story, i'm curious because because uh not very many people are that familiar with the nation of Turkey, at least Americans. What, like, how did that come about? Well, actually, it was out of midair. I didn't even know at that point that Turkey was a, a Muslim nation at the time. But while I'm sitting there, I, uh, I remember just uh, asking God, God, is there somewhere you want me to go? And, and it just came crystal clear that uh, uh, I want you to go to Turkey. And, and it's not like I heard the voice, but it was, I was just so impressed. I just knew that like Turkey, you know, where's Turkey? But, uh, you know, this is um, kind of funny, but uh, all the way back, uh, you know, when, when we were in San Diego, this is years prior to the 16 years prior now, uh, I'm sitting at my desk with there four and a half years and, and I felt like, there's a change coming up, a real change, you know, that that uh, God's taking me to a new place. And I think it's New York City at that time, which it turned out to be. But I remember I grabbed the globe and I and I spun it. <laughs> and, uh, oh, classic. And I, I just, God, where do you want me to go? And I just think, you know, it did land on New York City right there uh, on New York. And well, I spun it again and I closed my eyes and put my finger again and it hit New York again. Oh, so come on. The, yeah. Just for the heck of it. I spun it a third time and I put my finger down and it landed in Turkey. <laughs> oh, and man. then I spun it again and I landed up in the middle of the water somewhere. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's what's you know what? next on the list. Yeah. That didn't mean anything in the decision of going to New York at all. Nothing. Because I felt it for a long time, I wanted to go to New York. But um, actually, when it was Monday night at a conference, I'm so so stirred about New York in my heart, and my wife and I never talked about. It. This is the first time going out, but uh, I remember praying there at the altar, and I said, God, I don't want to just be infatuated with this, you know, New York. If it's you, I could you have Pastor Mitchell say that God's calling somebody into New York right now? And, and you know what, Adam, I no more got those words out of my mouth that Pastor Mitchell immediately from the pulpit said, right now, God's calling someone into New York City. No way. I'm not kidding you. That blew my mind. And so, um, so you know, and, and there's a lot of other confirmations. It's just amazing things that, that God just really made it obvious he wanted us to go there. And so, um, well, what's funny is that when I'm sitting there years later now, 16 years later, I'm sitting there saying, God's where you want me to go. And then this turkey comes up, you know, crystal clear. And then my mind flashed back all the way to that globe spin. And I remember it hitting turkey that, you know, and then it's like I heard this, this, just this thought was so strong. God said, that was me. That was me. And so it's like, whoa. And it, it really tripped me out. The fact that we did go to New York and now he's asking me to go to Turkey. And then what was even more incredible about that is at the very end of the sermon, 
that Pastor Mitchell was preaching on that Monday night. He just about dismissed the people. And then he said these words. Oh, by the way, God spoke to me to send somebody into Turkey. And man, I just, because all along as he's preaching, I'm taking notes and things that God's speaking to me about Turkey because he just told me just as he, at, the, at the beginning of his preaching, I just oh, wow. it came clear. And so I went up and I, I immediately talked to Pastor Mitchell and I showed him my notes. I said, God told me, he told me to do this. And so Pastor Mitchell said, okay, let's work on it. Let's do it. <laughs> that yeah. is so wild. Oh my yeah, goodness. Yeah, it, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's helpful, you know, we, we, in those really hard times that I'm sure that you had, uh, in Turkey to go back and remember like, okay, I know that I'm supposed to be here, right? It really helps. Absolutely helps. But honestly, Turkey, uh, Turkey was a cakewalk compared to being in New York city. Really? Oh yeah. I would never you, have expected that. Oh my gosh. If you, if we added up all the different things and battles and trials of all the ministry, you pack that together. That still doesn't touch that three-year period <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah that was I, I i i that was the hardest time ever 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 in my ministry and there's things that if you didn't know me you would think i was lying because things just don't happen like that on the norm but it was uh, just incredibly intense incredibly intense but we were the first ones in to to the city of new york but by the time we left three years later there was five churches in the new york area then and so praise God, but we fought. We were, I felt like a drill bit, <laughs> you know, that, that uh, uh, God was using. Wow. So, um, wow. Yeah. So uh, that's how we got to Turkey anyways. We left yeah. San Diego and went to Turkey. Yeah. Well, I, I think I might have been there for that Prescott conference because I do remember Pastor Mitchell mentioning something about Turkey. And <laughs> so it was uh, what, what I had no idea in my life is that I would ever uh, be in a place called Turkey. I, I didn't think that was a possibility, but it wasn't, uh, wasn't, but a few years later that we found ourselves uh, in Bulgaria, which is just North of Turkey and uh, getting a phone call from John Dumas saying, Hey, you want to go visit uh, Rick Buckles in Izmir, Turkey? <laughs> <laughs> we had a great time. <laughs> we sure did, man. Yeah. Oh man. So uh, that, that's where I, I got to know, I think I, I had heard about you before, but you know, it wasn't until then that got to meet you and got to know you a little bit. And, um, well, yeah, d maybe you could just take a minute to describe what was, what was the whole situation in, in Turkey and how did it go there? Turkey was interesting. Uh, you know, the fact that it's a uh, Muslim would, you know, made it, made it difficult and unique to say the least. But, um, you know, we discovered that when we first first got there, you know, the whole impression that they have about Christians and Jesus is completely wrong. They think that uh, Jesus, or excuse me, God had sex with Mary to have Jesus. They think we believe that. I'm like, you guys are out of your mind. No, we don't believe that. Nobody believes that. And uh, so their ideas about Christianity are just real twisted and torqued. And so, uh, you know, as we're talking to people, we're already in the hole to begin with, uh, because it's just, it's absurd to them what they think we believe. And so we have to dig our way out of the hole. And uh, then you have to, you know, kind of become some kind of friends uh, before they'll trust you. And they think everybody's a spy. They're just the way they think and, and that, that America wants to take over Turkey and so on. So. So that took us a little bit to, you know, to make some friends and get them to trust us a little bit. Well, then they're kind of open now to hear what you have to say about God and about Jesus. And so they're curious about that. So then you download the gospel and then they have to come to the decision part of it just because they know about it and to give their, you know, to believe it is another thing. And so uh, it takes some time to get there. And then once they actually make the, the uh, step of just accepting Christ and, that uh, Muhammad isn't true, but that Jesus is the savior. And um, well, once they make that decision, then the difficult part happens and they have to make it through that. So it was really, really kind of, kind of difficult to uh, witness and, and, and just to bring people to become a real Christian and, 
And part of the church and to do what we do is, um, you know, as making disciples and launching couples out and so on. Very, very hard to do. And just it was going to take some time. But we did have one event that really helped us is uh, we were in a building that we had gotten, uh, which was a kind of a miracle that we got a building to begin with. Nobody wants to rent to a church, a Christian church. They're all Muslim. So they don't want to, they don't want to have a church in one of their buildings. Well, we did get a particular building, but um, there was five stories above us. And uh, there happened to be a guy that had gotten saved. Uh, we started having English classes and people came in through that. They came to, you know, English class, and then they would want to know about God because we had Bibles there and different things. They would ask questions. I said, nope, you got to come to church in order to answer these questions. And so, well, they would inevitably end up coming to church. And so that's where we would, you know, begin to, uh, you know, have regular services and so on. Well, this one particular man by the name of Osgood, he had, um, he's a young man, and, and uh he accepted Christ and he came and, and he wanted to learn English to begin with, but then we really hit it off and, and uh, he came to church and, and he's like, I believe this. And um, well, you know, he was just brand new Christian, probably not coming more than maybe a week or a week or two at the most. But one morning after prayer, I saw him walking away and because uh, he lived up in the building upstairs and, uh, and it says, hey, you got time for breakfast. He says, well, actually, I'm going to go to the hospital first and uh, maybe maybe later today. So, well, let me take you to the hospital. So anyways, on the way to the hospital, find out his sister's in the hospital. And uh, so we go to the hospital. We're going to get a breakfast after that. But as we're walking into that room, the hospital room, the doctor's walking out and he stops us at the doorway. And he says to Osgur, the brother, call the family she's sure she's gonna die tonight get the family here now he starts breaking up and um uh i'm like whoa this is serious i had no clue but she had lupus and and her body was shutting down and uh we went in anyways and and she could barely barely talk she's 27 years old and uh all everything's shutting down in her system and she's she's literally dying but she could barely just whisper. And so I did talk to her about Christ and she prayed, prayed with me. And she says, I want this Jesus. And she's dead serious. And so, um, well, you know, God did a miracle. She didn't die. In fact, everything just snapped back on. And all of a sudden she, she had this miraculous recovery that to, in, to this day, it's documented just this miracle recovery and they really don't know why but well, we know why yeah, absolutely uh, you can read it on the internet if you can read turkish <laughs> but uh, uh uh anyways the doctors were amazed and so but out of that where she's back in the house three weeks later where she's on her deathbed and now she's back in the house and she's strong she's feeling good she's going to church and and uh, um you know what the people that that kind of hated us without even knowing us and they wanted us out of there. But what happened out of that is people said, because they all knew this beautiful little girl. And they said, we better leave these people alone. We better leave them alone because I think we think God's with them. <laughs> you know. And so they wow. did. Wow. And that gave us incredible favor, that miracle. That's Everybody Book of Acts kind of stuff. Oh, my gosh. It was incredible. And so uh, uh, out of that, you know, we had a. A number of folks just through the um, the English teaching English would break the ice, but they inevitably always everybody everybody we had had come through that English class that that eventually became you know part of the church and of course the government came against us. We were in court five different times. The last one was a was a countersuit that actually we won and we won everything that uh, 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 they just wrapped it all up into one and. And they ended up having to just leave us alone because we were suing the government. And, uh, but I remember the judge saying, you know what, you guys are doing everything right with all these lies coming against us and people wanting to shut us down and all the things The just said, you guys are doing everything right. And he actually gave us permission to start the church. It was an unbelievable victory for us. And, uh, um, but it took three years. 
to just get to that point. Wow. Because they were constantly on us. And of course, there was the radicals. They broke the windows a few times. You'd think they, you know, uh, shot somebody because it was, you know, they had all kinds of cops there and all. That's this big hoopla because they simply threw a rock. But later I find out, well, today it's a rock, but that's a warning. Tomorrow it's a bomb. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was just a big deal to them, not so much of a big deal to me. But God helped us. Man, it sounds we like quite able... an adventure. Yeah, yeah. And so they they put in another guy, a, a couple from Holland, and uh, um, they thought it would be good to get fresh legs in there. And so Kathy and I came back, and I I really felt stirred to go in the evangelistic field for the next uh, five years of the ministry. Yeah, lucky for us. <laughs> yeah, I had a good time. Saw a lot of, lot of great things happen. So God, I really felt God wanted me to do something a little bit unique, not just a standard revival and, and uh, well, none, none of them are really standard, but you know what I'm saying? It just, just something a little bit different. So that's where I started doing a drama, uh, just a short drama before the preaching, not every single sermon, but I did use a lot of multimedia and, and uh, some drama within the sermons and so on. And I was just wanting to get people excited about bringing family and friends to the revivals that we had done it that I had done around the fellowship. That was my whole intent. And it worked. It seemed to really work. Well, yeah, I mean, I can testify that we, we certainly had a good time. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, God God used it to do good things. Um, how, how long were you uh, doing the work of the evangelist? Five solid years. Yep. I was on the evangelistic field and uh, two weeks gone, one week home. And that never stopped for five straight years. <laughs> and then finally, I came to the point I'm saying, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my wife and my now teenage girls. And I'm thinking, God, I got to get home. Like now I got to get home. And they were, they were good kids, but still uh, they needed their dad and uh, Kathy needed her husband. And so, and it, and it was God's time. So uh, uh, that's where uh, the whole thought about going to Malta. Now, all these other places I went, I knew it was God. I knew San Diego. I knew New York City. I knew Turkey. I knew it totally was God. And I knew that God wanted me to evangelize. But when the island of Malta came up, uh, I didn't know that was God. I just thought it would be a good try. And uh, so I presented it to Pastor Olson, my pastor, and also Pastor Mitchell. And I uh, just said, hey, you know what? They it's English speaking, at least half of them. And uh, I just think it's worth a try. And, and you know what's funny about that, Adam? Remember, I spun the globe and um, I landed on New York twice and then Turkey the third time. And then the fourth time I ended up in the water. Oh, yes, I remember. I think my finger covered the island. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know it. <laughs> it's, it's so small. You put a pin in a map, you'll sink it. You know, it's, it's so small. So, uh, but that's where Paul, you know, he shook off the, the snake. And, and so in the Bible, the island of Malta, but, uh, you know, God just, Pastor Olson and Pastor Mitchell decided that, yeah, let's try it. And you know what? It was from the very beginning, just the hand of God. God just really helped us. Uh, a girl had gotten saved that uh, was a naughty girl and, and her uh, husband was into drugs a bit and, and uh, but they weren't married at the time. But they got, she got saved and he got saved after a lot of coffee <laughs> and um, they just did everything right. Once they turned to Christ, God really helped them so many different ways. Well, four years and four months, we were able to walk away from that island, leave the island. And uh, they, they took the church, Francesco and Rebecca James, and he's doing a fine job there today. Just an amazing work of God. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. What 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 kind of a congregation did you leave behind there? It was young folks, and we probably had 20 at best, but it was strong. There were strong young kids that uh, all loved God, were serving God. It was completely self-supporting. And so by the time we left, there was no more American dollars going in there, and they were just able to cover the whole thing on their own. To this day, they're completely on their own. And he's doing a fantastic job. He's got a, some great disciples and a great church. He's gotten a couple of different buildings that are, he's always getting one that's just a little better and a little better. So they're not busting at the seams, especially with the COVID thing that has gone on. It's really serious over there. But um, he's holding his own. 
and it's still it's still functioning, doing very well, and he's he's got a number of really good men that uh, he's working with. Oh, it's it's beautiful. It's a great story. It gives uh, hope to every you know every pioneer pastor and missionary, especially. That's 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 exactly what you want to see happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were blessed to be there. Really blessed. And we're absolutely blessed. Uh, from there, we came to uh, this the city of Fayetteville, uh, which borders Fort Bragg, and we're loving it. I love the base. I love the South. I hate the humidity, but I do like uh, you know the hospitality and and uh, you know the Southern hospitality. And you know we're putting our roots here. We, we're 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 seeing God really begin to move in the church and just some dynamic guys that have been saved. And uh, now growing and raising up in the Lord and, and a heart for God and a heart for the ministry. And so I'm actually looking at a, another San Diego, the makings of another San Diego here. There's no doubt in my mind. It's going to be a great church. Well, that, that's that's fantastic. It's great to hear. And um, you have not obviously done all of these things on your own. God has empowered you and strengthened you. You've had your wife by your side all these all these years as well. Maybe maybe speak a little bit to the importance of having Kathy there with you. Well, Kathy's unique in one way that uh, I'm I'm real different and probably hard to live with more than most husbands. And uh, she's just a trooper. Kathy, uh, if I can describe her, she's probably got more mental discipline, I think, than most most women. Uh, uh, she just doesn't let her mind go certain places. And obviously, you know, that she could live in, in Turkey with two little girls, you know, and uh, never once was in fear ever, ever. Uh, uh, and so she just doesn't let her mind go certain places and just uh, uh, kind of keeps plowing. Uh, she's not the kind of wife that would stand up on a picnic table and preach to the, those in the park, but um, she loves God. She, she's really supported me and, and um, uh, just been there to, to undergird and just, just to be my wife. And she really is an amazing woman. She really is. And so uh, uh, it wouldn't have happened outside of having, having Kathy you know, as my wife, I, I I just know that for a fact. And I know that God gave her specifically to me. I remember, I didn't even know her name. I'm an, a senior in, you know, Mesa High School, and, and she's uh, a 10th grader, first year there, and uh, we're in band. And I remember just seeing this girl, and at the time, she had an infection in her eye, so she wasn't super gorgeous, but something just grabbed me. And actually, I was dating a baton twirler at the time, <laughs> but uh, something grabbed me, and I told the guy next to me, I said, see that girl right there? That's the girl I'm going to marry, and, and, and it was Kathy. And so we made a bet right then and there, and he said, no, nah. and so we made a bet. Well, three and a half years later, he pays me on my wedding day. He says, I can't believe Oh, man. <laughs> so, and actually, he started to date Kathy right after that bet. But God orchestrated it. It was just the hand of God. And so, you know, uh, I think that God gives us a right to choose whoever we want. And, and we need to be wise in that choice or whatever. But at times, God does give, you know, especially he, he, what I believe anyways. And this is not doctrine. It's not even in the Bible. But for me, uh, God gave me Kathy. That's all I know. I had to have that particular woman. Praise God. Amen. Well, that's that's amazing, and you just reminded me that I I, I think you told me that before, but I just you reminded me that you were uh, you were a graduate of Mesa High School, which I also was. Go Jackrabbits! Ah. <laughs> so, but uh, I uh, it's it's already getting late here, so I don't want to take up a whole lot more of your time. But I, I do want to ask you to to maybe speak to. Um, somebody who uh, is struggling, maybe maybe in the New York of their life, you know, right now, and uh, they're not seeing a whole lot of of success necessarily, but um, or what we would call success. And what would you say to someone? Because I know this about you that you are a very encouraging person, and even in my own personal life, uh, if if I'm discouraged, 
actually, you have a close enough connection to the Lord that you reached out to me recently when I was in a very discouraged place in my life, and uh, you, you've helped me. So I wonder if you could share that encouragement with somebody who's struggling today. You know what I'd say is um, just keep going. I don't care how hard it gets. I don't care what's happening. I don't care all that is messing with your head about your your own failures or this isn't happening, that isn't happening. I don't, I don't care what's going on. Just keep going. And God will have his way. And so as long as we stay in the ring, we win. I don't care if the devil's beating you down in your bloody mess. As long as you don't walk out of that ring, we win. Just staying in the fight, we win. Praise God. So that's what I would say. If, if I can encourage anybody, just keep going. And it does get, it, 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 the battle's not forever. There's seasons that are really, really tough. Yes. There's times you think you're just going to go, your mind's going to explode. But just keep going. And uh, I have to say, I'm just dumb enough to keep going. I'm just going to do what I know to do, uh, regardless of what I feel, what I think, or how I failed. I'm just going to keep going. So that's that's the one thing I think I'd say. That that that's fantastic. Encourage. Yeah, uh, praise God. I have one last question for you, and that is, I wonder if you could speak to just how things have matured and changed and grown in our fellowship and, and you know, you having a unique perspective of being there pretty early on in the Tempe Church. What are your impressions now of, uh, of where we are and where we're going? Well, there's a lot of guys that are just spot on with um, what we used to be, and you can see a remnant of that. However... I do think we got to be careful and to contend for for just that old way of just God, Jesus being everything and maybe even a little bit overboard for for God and not so cautious. Uh, I'd like to see I'd like to see us go back just to get maybe just a little more radical. It's just not in as many disciples as I'd like to see it in in the early days everybody was into it well now you have a lot of people into it just not everybody and so you know if those days could come back i'd i'd really like to see that but that really has to be another breath of god because you just can't orchestrate that that's maybe what what i'd like to see and i honestly i think there's going to come a day where that's going to be once again things are going to get pretty intense and i think it's just going to cause us all to be more intense in following God and being servants and just so into it. So I think I think you're onto something there. We really need to see a move of God. We need to see God deal with people in their own personal lives again. And uh, short of that, you know, we're 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 not able to do much in our own strength. Yeah, and even as you're talking, there's a conviction coming on me saying, "Oh God, take me back to those radical days." <laughs> we could all, you know, just you know, turn up the heat just a little bit in our own heart and, and, and just seek God there yet more. But I see that coming on even in myself. So praise God. I'm excited for what God's going to do. I really am, especially here in Fayetteville. I, uh, I think God's going to really help us. And there's going to be um, just a radical church that uh, uh, comes out of it all, a candlestick kind of church. Praise Amen. God. Amen. Well, Adam, well, hey, I, I, I'm just thrilled to be able to do this. And what an honor that you would even even ask me. I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for making time and, and for uh, staying a little bit extra here. We we appreciate that so much. And I think it's just because uh, I enjoy talking to you so much. <laughs> and so I appreciate your time very, very much. And for, for being part of this podcast, I know people are going to enjoy listening to this. And so we, uh, I think I could speak for everyone and say that only, only heaven will be able to fully calculate the, 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 uh, the full measure of the blessing that you have been to uh, to people and to churches and nations around the world. So let me just try to do my best to say thank you <laughs> for your uh, service to the kingdom. It's a it's a fantastic and the testimony of your family and all of those things. We uh, we thank God for for all that God has done through you. It's amazing. Praise God. You know what? It's just been a joy and a privilege to serve God, and I thank God He brought me to this fellowship, the perfect place. Yeah, for me. 
and uh, it's it's just been a joy from beginning to even just now. And and there's a great future to come. Amen. I wonder if you would just take the moment to pray for anyone who's listened to this, and uh, and cover them with uh, with the Holy Spirit. God, we ask you now, Father. We need just a breath from heaven above upon every ear. God, if they've listened even to this point, God, there must be some kind of a hunger and a heart for you. And I pray, God, you'd breathe just, just a freshness, God, and fire as never before in their heart. God, just, is just so genuine and from heaven above. And God, I ask you to encourage them to just hang in there. And God, that, that you'd show them even glimpse of, us, of just the fruit of just their efforts and their energies and their prayers and, and just by holding on and staying in the fight. God, I pray somehow they'd see just the fruit of that. And I pray, God, just a grace and a wisdom that's beyond ourselves. And I pray for every pastor that would even hear this, God, just use us, stir us. And, and God, we want to do your will. We want to please you. And God, we thank you above all that you would care about people like us. And God, that if we could do anything for you, what a privilege, what a joy to be a child of the living God and involved in your service. God, go with us now. We need you desperately and breathe upon this nation once again. Revival, God. That's our heart's cry. Amen. In Jesus' wonderful name. God bless you, Adam. Amen. Now I know why it took us eight different reschedules to get this interview done. <laughs> so thank you ah. once again. And uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate all of you listeners out there. And we'll see you next time on Testimony Tuesday. God bless you, bud. All right, man. Thank you so much. Have a good night, Rick. I appreciate you. Okay. Likewise. Right. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.